0: Welcome to Kapwa Conversations, a podcast that amplifies the voices of Filipino, Philippine ex-folks in the health and wellness space. We use the indigenous wisdom of Kapwa, or shared inner self, to connect, inspire, and remember that we are all connected. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a five-star rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show and be in Kapwa together. You can also help spread the word by sharing today's episode on social media and tagging us on Instagram at kapwa.yoga. Without any further ado, here's today's conversation. Hi, on today's show, we have Marie Lloyd Paspe. A little more about Marie. Marie Lloyd Paspe, originally from Singapore, Toronto, and Boston, is a Filipino-American multidisciplinary dancer, singer, choreographer, and concept creator in Queens, New York. Marie currently performs and tours with Bilty Jones, Arnie Zane Company based in Chelsea, New York, and choreographs her own works for stage and film and teaches Pilates. She has danced for Carolyn Dorfman, Brene Jaworski, Jay Manju, and performed with Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. Marie graduated summa cum laude in dance and business from Fordham University, Alvin Ailey in 2016. Using deconstructive designs, vocals, projections, textures and abstraction, Marie creates with a matriarchal world in mind and a reclamative story that unfolds. Eastern versus Western dance technique poses dissonant synchronicities that show up as painfully pleasurable ironies, reflecting both her Philippine ex identity and its colonization. Her interests in dance making are deeply tied to making sense of Philippine identity with foreign spaces, and how juxtapositions of contemporary and traditional worlds can meet to learn. From each other. Welcome to the show, Marie.
1: Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us. Uh, I. The time of our recording is in uh, late September. We have just heard um, the case ruling on Grandma Taylor. Um, the time that you are hearing this recording will be right after Election Day. So. I'm wondering, Marie, how are you feeling now, given the time that we are in recording this?
1: I think it's a very, um, very difficult time to be um, to be in a place of, um, of gratitude in a place of appreciating where we are, speaking together in a podcast, um, both of us creating our platforms and and living in this world that is so full of injustice and equity and seeing that our our communities and our neighboring communities are treated not as equally or treated not as viably as other communities that we may live beside as well, and um, it's a it's a tough time. Also, with Ruth Bader Ginsburg also dying and passing away, um, the the political climate that is not just Black Lives Matter, but also all of these other intricate rivulets of problems that seem isolated but are so deeply connected. I think it's a it's a difficult answer to say in and amongst all of these things are we personally doing well yeah we're just kind of in this place of like understanding and processing the reality and I think I can only speak for myself I'm processing the reality um processing the things that I'm reading understanding that there are many aspects of the situation that I don't know and also aspects of the many intricacies of law and lawmaking and law and order that I don't know that, I, that I'm that i also quick at being um, dismissive with or quick with being like, oh, I, I should know this or I do know things and um, do the research and kind of like understand why things are happening as they are or why things are not happening as they are, such as like a Taylor's murderers getting off with just an indictment and two officers not even having anything charged against them. I like, I feel it's, it's on us as artists and at us as human beings to have anger, have anger for this and a, an anger that is also um, muffled as well, I think. So in all of that Roundabout answer, it's an uh, anxiety and also a frustration, I think, of being present for my Black family, Black community, Black neighbors that are deeply hurting and um, feeling helpless or feeling like there's more to do.
0: Yeah, and thank you for bringing, you know, your true emotions and sharing that um, with all of us. I think that kind of leads to this thought of how our Filipinox identity, the the positionality of that, in the context of all these very deep intersections and reckonings that are happening, I'm wondering how you're feeling, and maybe how that that feeling has changed from the beginning of your your journey in it, living in your. Philippine X body, um, how that has changed over time and how that has changed as you navigate your career in, in dance and, and all the spaces that you um, navigate through.
1: I think in light of the wave of the pandemic, the wave of things closing and, and the arts world closing and the way the world looks as of now, And on top of that, the kind of intensity that Black Lives Matter puts onto every single human being in this country. I think in those those two very like interconnected global paradigm shifts, I think that it woke me personally up to a place of identity. Identity being, for me, it's something Deeply sought out, deeply desired to understand and to be able to uh, name or put words to, and a connection to like deeper roots, so that I could better show up to the problems that I'm. I know that perhaps not my direct community is facing, or perhaps my direct community are communities are facing, but regardless the problems that communities directly connected to me, that I myself am facing or communities that I know that are not necessarily directed directly um, connected to me are facing this kind of understanding of like, we're all in this mural of human beings and this mural of cultures, traditions, melting pot of people, how the, question of identity, question of like being able to call, call yourself, myself, ourselves as certain entities or identities, whatever that may be, equals an ability to see that everybody else is their own entity and identity. So I think, I think in light, in light of my personal research, my Philippine identity and, and roots seeking, like deep ancestral root seeking comes from a place of personal trauma, personal trauma that I have allowed myself to acknowledge and allowed myself to like, you know, work through. And then on top of that, and kind of like getting deeper into that is the acknowledgement of like community trauma or community like I said earlier, connected or not necessarily connected to you, but community trauma that you're like six degrees away from and understanding understanding my own place in that trauma as well, the ways in which like our practices can heal those traumas, whether it's direct or indirect. And yeah, so going back to like a your timeline kind of question, I think... I, in the beginning of what identity seeking was for me in like the beginning of my Philippine X work, it started off as like, a, I am a woman of this world who feels like she is labeled as something else, but who she really is. And it's kind of like ever since I was young or like ever since I was a kid have been kind of put into this box or putting myself into this box of like, I need, I should, or I could be a certain somebody in order to get a reward or become a good person or become like, you know, we all have different, we all have different rewards or different incentives of why we do things, right? So I think for me, like I allow this kind of like fluidity within myself from a place of like, you know, true acceptance, true survival, true like truly wanting to just be accepted by others who I didn't necessarily look or acted like. And I think from that place, I allowed myself to assimilate very, very deeply and Mm -hmm. adapt very deeply. And I think you and I, you know, I've spoken off record about this kind of like fluidity within ourselves of like being like, you know, oh, you want pizza? Like, of course I want pizza too. Even though like, it could be as simple as wanting, you know, a hamburger. I was always the person to kind of like agree, agree, be agreeable. I'll get, go um, against my own um, thoughts and kind of like go with the flow and kind of go with the group. And um, I practice that so well that my voice is so quiet and it's still to this day very quiet. It takes a lot of energy to like listen to that voice that's really deeply and intuitively in me. And I think because of all of that ingrained need for approval, need for um, myself to be accepted by friends or by classmates. I I lost my voice and I lost the intuition that I so read about or like, you know, people spoke about thinking that I had it, but I never did and slash never and, and slash don't feel that I currently do. And so this, this quest to, first it was like a heartbreaking realization, like, oh shit, I don't listen to my intuition. Then it became a wake-up call of intuition. You are needed and I need you. Mm-hmm. And so the diving deep of of Filipinx roots, it started from there. So it started from that kind of work. So that's why I said earlier, it's like that that childhood trauma, the trauma of like the personal self, of my own individual self caused me to pull in towards myself versus versus really reach and grab at external things. I I switched my kind of practice around and said, okay, let's like try to claw into what's inside and hold on and latch onto those things and then and then from there, there was the wake up call of like, all right, you are understanding yourself and you're understanding your own identity within the system. And now because you're there, your system is acknowledging the trauma that's happening in the community. And, that, and as, as like paradigm shifts and as, as like paradigm traumas, such as pandemic and Black Lives Matter movements, arrive I think in all of us who are doing this kind of self-reflective work or at least these deep dives of identity like how can we not be sensitive or um, Or have that
0: empathy maybe to see
1: yes empathy empathy and also also like that inherent connection between our own healing of our trauma and inherently our need and our like I think our duty if I can say that um, humbly our duty to like heal the traumas that like we're also participating in within our community
0: yeah
1: you know and I, I think I think for me I've been really like mindful and trying to step back and observe and listen and receive what's happening like throughout this time these this 2020 year it's like you know if my single my singular person um, reacts in a defensive way and in that defensive mechanism is a very lasting negative effect on somebody else, right that negative effect, that link is magnified if that negative link becomes 10 other negative links to other people, mm. correct so, so, if we're all working through defense mechanisms and protecting ourselves, protecting our individual singular entities, that becomes the community's energy. The
0: collective That's trauma the or whatever the energy is, if it's possible. Absolutely. Or negative, yeah.
1: Absolutely. So, no matter if my fear of abandonment looks or doesn't look like your fear of ab- abandonment, but we are acting against or acting with our defense mechanisms in order to to hold ourselves and hold our egos and hold our privilege and hold our money and hold our um, resources for ourselves, how does that continue in the chain reaction of the degrees that you're separated by? And those kinds of questions to me equal this kind of collective energy of trauma, healing, or whatever it may be, right? So if we're all like in this place of holding ourselves and holding our resources for ourselves and thinking so personal and so um, defensively for our own entities, then of course we're here in a pandemic. And of course we are here with the hurt and the pain that that is so present in Black Lives Matter protests and action. We are so part of that instigation. We are so part of that healing. We are so part of that trauma. We are so present and part, we are participating as well as healing in all of this, whether you consider yourself in quotation marks, good or bad, right? We're all part of it in some way. And I think, um, with that realization, and kind of with that like very heavy realization of like where we are, it puts into place like this sense of shifting, like the sense of the sense of allowing, allowing, adhering, and I think a word that I really love is yielding, mm-hmm. um, yielding, yielding to like your flaws yielding to your personal imperfections, your personal vulnerabilities that allow you to see that one, you may or may not be part of the problem and also that you have agency and we have agency and I have agency to make the changes that you have the capacity for, you know? So in all of that kind of hodgepodge of thoughts, there's this idea, the singular idea that that me as a person equals me as a person who is like deeply searching for my own identity, deeply searching for what Filipinx means to me is inherently related to my Filipinx roots Ingrained in the Black community's roots, ingrained in my Latinx community's roots, ingrained in my white family and white community's roots, ingrained in my other Asian communities' roots. You know, and and I'm missing so many other folks: Indigenous, Native American people, Indigenous Filipino people. You know, like we're all out here healing from our traumas.
0: Yeah.
1: And that that only brings us closer and that only brings us to like deepen ourselves, inherently deepening our presence and our and the collective's purpose for like healing it
0: overall. Yeah, I mean there's so much in there to unpack. I feel like, yeah, yeah. hopefully people really sit sit with everything that you've just said because For for me, hearing that, I see a lot or I hear a lot of yoga philosophy and indigenous Filipino philosophy where concepts like karma, you, you are born into this life, this body, this time that you are born into because of a million ripples of different choices and decisions made before you and then during your lifetime you have the choice the agency to have those types of ripples of actions that will impact other people and future generations after you and the this time is an eye-opening time to see how how real that is because we are living with the consequence of our past systems and we are living through just within our lifetime all of the decisions and choices that are impacting our lives and will impact the lives of you know us as, and our future descendants. And mm. yeah, and then the other thing that I'm thinking of is there's this idea of Indra's net, where each person, if you if you imagine a net in your mind, each person is that node within the net and each other person is, a, is the other point of intersection. And all of us together make this net. And if you have one part, if you think of it maybe as a, as a body, if you have one part of the net that is broken, the net is not working. If the, mm-hmm. if, if the, the black part of our collective body, our collective net is torn, then we are not together. We don't, we can't hold up ourselves in the long run if we have a hole within us in another part of our body. Even if that part of the body is the one that is most distant to where we are living through. And yeah, I don't think-
1: This actually reminds me of a concept that's like very similar to what you're saying, but it's a myofascial uh, meridian concept. Mm that basically if you have an injury, some context. with myofascial is the um, connective tissue within your body that connects like muscles, bones, like in the, you know, it's just like, kind of like the- It's like It's, that wrap. it's, like, it's like, yeah, the a surround wrap around you your in. body and yeah. yeah, holding you in, holding all the organs in and connecting all of these parts to each other. And with the meridian lines, right? If there's like, say so you have neck pain or there's like, you know, literally, like you said, broken neck, that affects so much more than just your neck because the connective tissue that is, that is connect, literally connected is inherently damaged as the muscles or, or the tissues being pulled from that place of uh, dissidence. So just like that, trying to put it into like the somatic way or the kind of like the anatomical like image imagery for me is that this net of people the moment you break whether it's by community by other communities or not whether when you when you forcefully break the net of people and the community breaks down or there's a, a brokenness of community separating there's a you you have damaged your net and you've mm-hmm. damaged your like meridian lines and that causes pain in your overall body so imagine the universe like imagine the earth as a whole and the global systems as a whole because we're such a global world like this world is so globally connected you facebook with your filipino cousins like you know seconds away it's like you know you get the messages instantly even though the time difference is so different you're still like so connected and yet you know were so connected and so dissonant at the same time just such an interesting visualization and also like imagine in time too like over the years also of that kind of like dissonance and over the years the continual um you know separation of communities and continual like miscommunication of Mm. community communities as well like playing telephone Um, through time
0: Yeah. yeah oh it's it just
1: mind-boggling
0: yeah for sure yeah and I think the other thing that you mentioned of you know when you talk when you have a question let's say that is geared more towards a timeline and you live in a time that is more circular that is not so linear than you know than even a year ago or the timelines that our parents were used to life being it is there is definitely negatives to that. But I think the positives is that we are able to, to get into this more heady existential space and see all the connections that you're talking about. You know, a lot of people mm. live their lives. And I think it is the, the, maybe the narrative of our parents' generation or or and beforehand to live in a linear time Perspective and pushing through to just exist on basic needs. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot of that brings, I'm thinking like chakra energy system, a lot of that brings it to those lower three, your root to ego and those, yeah, all just the ability to survive. The ability to procreate to have future generations, and then the ability to have egoic success. And those are those are only three of the seven chakras, and a lot of people live have lived their lives in that linear way. But this time and having more ambiguous relationship with time, with it gives you this very third eye crown chakra kind of perspective of how everything fits together and yeah it's an interesting time to live in because there's so much potential for a shift in consciousness to this higher place but there is we live we're living in the in the friction in the catalyst moment and yeah it's just that question of is it going to be enough are we going to meet like in chemistry, are we going to meet that that catalyst point to have a chemical reaction to get okay. us to this next <laughs> next stage to evaporate a boiling water to air? Or are we just going to live in this hot boiling water like we're crabs, <laughs> you, know, you know? It is that kind of place that we're living in. And, and it'll be interesting to hear this conversation because a one of those boiling points will have passed with, with, election. Right, with the election. with the election. Yeah, where we are once this is out to the public will be another interesting moment.
1: Yeah. I, I'm also thinking of how, just thinking about the different demographics affected or not affected by COVID. I mean, this is... This is also something to really, I mean, what you just said, is something that I really, we cannot take for granted and we cannot forget this, but there, there are folks out there that are like deeply, deeply hurt by this pandemic and that, you know, the, the way of life has shifted so drastically much, so incredibly much and it's mostly communities of marginalized neighborhoods marginalized communities and and then on the flip side how the pandemic has served and and, um, and actually supported and helped different demographics me being one of them you know I, i'm 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 also coming here humbly too like you know the, the ability to be an artist during this time is also very it is a place of privilege that also calls for deeper personal placement for asking for what's good and what's needed or deeper deeper placement to express the problems of this world or like the problems of society. I think in comparison, it's like, we see on the trains, our are, are blue-collared workers, our folks that are going to work in the hospitals, still as you know, janitors and kind of like security folks that are still working at this time, like what does is, what is this wake-up wake call mean for them? And I guess why I'm even saying this is, is that hearing paradigm shifts there are many paradigms shifting that look so different from demographic to demographic. And I think it's it's also really important for us to acknowledge that as the world shifts, there are some whose worlds are not shifting and there are some whose worlds are. Whether for, the, for good or for worse, some people are still working. Some people are still needing to work and put food on the table so life has shifted and life has shifted in many ways, but life has not shifted in some ways too. Because the the purpose of life is still to court family or to to support li- livelihoods and things like that. And, and so as, as we near election and as we near like another paradigm shift that the election could bring, I just think about the communities that are not necessarily having the space or maybe the capacity to you know be able be able to like vote maybe that's it's as simple as that like communities that aren't able yeah, to vote or not access. not able able yeah access that's that's more the word like access to vote or um you know access to the information or access to information period you know
0: I mean, to me, that sounds like something to that I encourage people to to meditate on. I don't know if people have practiced that, but just to sit in that stillness and think of what Marie just said of some people the pandemic their life has always been the what we're living through in the pandemic, and to just sit with that sit with the full breath of the human experience and take, take yourself a little bit into out of your experience or use your, where you are now as a, as a frame for empathy. I think that's the way that you can build this loving kindness or, or meta the, to see and breathe for those people. And it, it could be as simple as saying, may you be safe, may you be healthy. May you find peace. And yeah, just, I would recommend people to start it with yourself and then expand it to your family and then expand it to all these people that Marie's just mentioned. And I I think you'll see that shift happen for you in the way that you see even the smallest of interactions and how everything that we're talking about, the myofascial in your body, the way that it shows up to this like existential indra net of, and karma, how it really does all start from, from there, from just like breathing and loving and being kind. And yeah, I wish I could. Yeah. I wish this conversation helps to to be that ripple for people.
1: Mm. Thank you for that. Thank you for
0: that. That was beautiful. Yeah. And for those who might not know, Marie and I go back in in having a lot of these parallels of searching with identity and this theme of being fluid or being a chameleon. And what does that mean? Who are you in the absence of relationships or other external things that define you and i i wonder yeah as we start to go towards the, the the tail end of the conversation where you see yourself and that journey now and how does that show up in with your art as an artist in this time where you are personally and then where we are as a as a collective how is that showing up for you
1: so many things have come through us talking <laughs> that, wow, it's, um, it's this idea of my self as it is now is I like to, I like to visualize a small gem, um, that glows certain colors at certain times,
0: mm.
1: um, that is small enough to hold in the palm of my hand as it is visualization of myself and um, that is that can be enclosed in, in a palm so that the gem you can't see the physical properties of the gem you can only see the light that's seeping through the the cracks of my fingers the cracks of my of my fingers holding it and I think where I see this Gem of myself is, and the colors that emanate from the cracks, I think are is the me that is inside very deep. And the right, re, the resonating colors are, are what, um, is seen or what I'm allow, what I'm allowing, but also what I'm yielding to let you, to let to become seeable. And I, I think this visualization is showing up in my work or showing up in the way I just even as I'm talking to you now is just this on it this authenticity I think I think this this um promise to myself of transparency that you don't necessarily need to see the physical gem that is what defines me, but you and my and my my relationship with you my relationship to you who are listening are feeling the colors of the gem in the way that i'm speaking right so so in that there's a trust or in that there's a desire for myself to be transparent and honest and authentic in this whatever that I'm doing, whether it's art making, whether it's cooking dinner, whether it's talking to Paul, you know, whether it's lighting a candle, that all of these intentions come from a place of that color emanating out of the cracks. So what, what that means for like future art, what that means for future Marie is that I think it's I think it's me, instead of saying, I want to look like this, I want things to look like this, is I want things to arise. I want the world and the way I see the world to arrive. And I want to meet the world and its problems and my own problems with my fullest self. And arrive there, but not necessarily not necessarily answer anything or not necessarily be there to solve anything or to 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 speak, even you know just just to like be present, be present and yielding that's really that's really the the most honest way I can say,
0: yeah. That's a beautiful visualization. Hmm. Yeah, I. the thing I'm thinking of, there's so many things that come to mind. I think I'm going to, personally, I will visualize that um, after this, but even just hearing your description of it, the things that come to mind is the concept of being held, of if you hold, hold that light, it's in a way, you know, I... I'm someone who has had a history of control issues, and I think. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Twinkies. Uh, uh, we're
1: just always aligning. We're always Our in are orbit. Are so <laughs> orbiting. <laughs> um, and and the, yeah.
0: the thing I'm thinking of is like it's so easy to to hold with a tight fist. The idea of it's so easy to hold it in such a way that you are causing pain to yourself in this striving for perfectionism, for being the holder of your parents' hopes and dreams as a Philippine X person in all of these different ways. It, you, there's a, it can be easy to feel like you have to hold it so tightly or else if you let it go, it'll be chaos. But I think the visualization that you're offering is that there is a there is a beauty in in holding with a loose grip so that you can let the true light shine through, and yeah, and it, and a little bit of a releasing and and holding of yourself so that you can hold and show up for others, and I I think that's that's beautiful, and and. An acknowledgement of what the in a non-reactive, compassionate way, just the observation of your truest color, um, and not letting it, not forcing it to be anything else than what is your the color that is showing up for you in this current moment. And that is also a practice so that you can cultivate that appreciation and re- and recognition when that color is showing up in somebody else, whether it be one of pain, you feel pain so that you can understand compassion, so that you can understand the pain that, that is showing up in the way that it showed up in you or in your generations. And yeah, I think that that simple visualization that you offer holds <laughs> so much, but not not tightly, with a very with a very warm soft hand. And yes. There was lotion put on that hand. Caressing, get... caressing
1: the little animal. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, and so, the uh, is there anything that we haven't brought to the conversation that is that you feel is something that needs to be lifted up?
1: Oh well, I can't. I cannot. Rest, our, our action and our duty, our duty to, to show up for ourselves and to show up for communities that are not those who look like us. Um, and I really look forward and also have fear towards the election day and what the bullshit that can come from election day, and you know all all the um, turmoil and fascism that is happening in this country. I mean, yeah, and
0: even um, in the Philippines, yeah,
1: and in the Philippines. I mean, like kind of worldwide, not right just in the yeah. kind of everywhere, you know. And I, I would I would really um, want to elevate just the importance of researching, reading, and and also reading opposing sides. Yes. Opposing sides, as we're we're all voting and we're all um, informed voters and really learn about the opposing side and and, um, understand the motives, I think, motives behind why politicians say some things and why they don't say other things. I think with a lot of research, we come stronger like, you know, our, our our brains and our bodies come stronger um, into voting. And so that energy will, I think, will really um, propel us forward into good, into good things versus what we have been doing, what this country has been doing. So, you know, I have hope, I have a lot of hope. And I also um, know a lot of amazing young humans that are doing the work far better than you know than i could ever do and i i um just have uh hope and yeah and dreams of you know a better better, better world you know
0: yeah a higher shift
1: <laughs> yeah higher shift forever
0: yeah 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 the thing i'm thinking of is discernment i think mm, yes to really work this is a time when we can really work on that muscle. Of discernment in everything, Absolutely.
1: everything that we do. Absolutely. Yeah. We have the time, we have the space, we have the pandemic to allow ourselves to be present in information. And I, what better time? And I, I what better time, you know, to just dive deep into discernment. I love that. Yeah,
0: Yeah, yeah it's one of the core, Niyamas, I believe it's a, it's yogic know, code of ethics and, and up there, I mean, top one is nonviolence, ahimsa. And I think that is one that we can all really, really sit with this says in everything that we do, but especially in the socio-political world that we live in, just think of what it meant, what it means to be non nonviolent. And there's a difference between being pacifist and being nonviolent. and Absolutely. yeah. Just like that, and then discernment, I think you have you will have a lot to work with with just those two qualities trying to trying to cultivate that
1: yeah wow, and that sounds to me like this theme of both of us of what we've been talking about this kind of listening and observing, sitting back and like allowing things to do you and to yield to these things um and I think that word is so important, yielding. You know, How do we not become and not merge with ideas and desires, but how can we yield to these, these situations or yield to people, to social distance, to yield to the spaces around you. Maybe you're like quarantine in a home you don't wanna be in. You know, How do we yield to the situation that we're given and create magical outcomes. And that—that that is the energy we should have, or that I am meditating on going into election, yielding to this, this need for change, for shifting for, for our own persons to shift and change and thus allowing the shifts and change to happen in the collective.
0: Thank you for that. Yes, <laughs> and that that ties to so the way that we like to end the conversation is with these three rapid fire. But they, from what I've heard, they tend not to be rapid because they make you think a little bit. But I think you know it'll, we're already ta- we're already skimming into these questions. So the first one is, what is your favorite Filipino word? What does it mean? And
1: why is it calling you at this moment? Ang ko. That's not a word, but it's ang ko. It's three words. Ang ko. An it's my heart, right? My heart. Yeah. It's a song. It's a song. It's a love song. Filipinos are so uh, lovey-dovey with their love songs. And it's a karaoke song that I know, but could never sing without lyrics and I love that phrase because it's um it reminds me of the karaoke it also reminds me of like you know coming back to that self Mm -hmm. the heart physical my heart um and yeah yes
0: do you know the artist of the song? Oh, I'll have to look no. it up. Okay, oh, I'm gonna look no. it up. I
1: have to look it up. Yeah, <laughs> I'll let you know those.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm like duet. <laughs> yeah, I
1: know, right? Um, excuse me, solo only.
0: But I mean that does sound like a <laughs> that does sound like a mantra. I mean, I haven't heard this song before, but just the phrase, like you know, my heart, and then just like repeating that. It sounds beautiful and in Tagalog I mean I think or any of the, the dialects it's a beautiful language and so already beautiful. is has that that melody of of heart resonance to me yeah
1: it's poetic it's a poetic language it's something I just learned from my my one of my best friends to study this language it's actually extremely poetic language and so when Filipinos translate to English you're like already poets I'm like, what is this beautiful, like mind that create, that is like a poetic, poetic way to structure sentences, and then from mm. that comes this, like poetry, which which me, which is why love songs are just so powerful in the Philippines
0: because yes. of so the poetic.
1: Well, I think because of the poetic um, way the language is, I
0: guess. Yeah, or like even the way and that we li- think is yeah. like has this artistic lens because mm-hmm. there is a melody in the way that we we think and speak be, yeah i mean i don't know if, if and no one has been to the philippines karaoke is very big very yeah. people will fight you depending on the song that people you
1: will think. fight you <laughs> <laughs> even like in the diaspora Philipp, philippinex folks we love the karaoke yeah. we got it all at home we got that Magic, Mike, magic Mike There's no, Magic There's no party without the lichon and the Magic
0: Mike. Everybody, work on your go-to song during quarantine. <laughs> you have magic, time for virtual that too. Karaoke. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be Monday. We're going to have virtual karaoke.
0: <laughs> yes! We're going to sing <laughs> So everybody I'm get ready. Do it. I
1: do have a Magic right.
0: Mike, so it might have. We'll have
1: sing along. We'll have sing along.
0: And then the second one, which I think is a theme always, especially for the two of us, is how is Kapwa showing up in your life today? And for those of you who don't know, the show is called Kapwa Conversations, and it's based off of the idea of Kapwa, which is shared in ourself.
1: Well, I, I am actively... I am actively pursuing opportunities that are community-focused, community-focused and anti-capitalist endeavors, as well as person-to-person mutual aid and mutual growth. So in those ways, Kapwa comes into my whole realm because that is what I believe Kapwa is. It's just this idea of you and I, me and Joe Schmo doing the thing because we want to benefit each other in a certain way, offering offering what we can offer, having space and holding space for each other, learning, making mistakes, learning again. You know, it's a, And that happens with my friendships, with my family, with myself, with my romantic relationship and partner. You know, it's like all of these different intersections, how can I show up and be as present and equally present with everybody that I'm doing things with whether work or friends or love and and where will that go? Where will that, Where? what magic will come?
0: And our final question, is what is the biggest lesson that you're learning
1: ah that we all need a therapist and that therapy and self-work is the hardest thing and that mental health and acknowledging ourselves in our mental health is one of the most important and most powerful um, lessons that I'm currently learning. And I can't stress enough about how beautiful and how uh, needed it has been for me to be a therapist. Pandemic or not, no pandemic. And yeah, that's the biggest mm-hmm. lesson as of now.
0: Thank you for sharing that, yeah. Yeah, and as somebody who, and Maria are are very close, someone who myself has started on this journey of of therapy, mental health, during this time, I definitely encourage it for everyone, for no matter what your identity is. I know for me, from a cis male perspective, there is a lot of being that strong silent type. And holding in a lot, um, and being taught to hold that in from patriarchy. So, yeah, whoever is listening to this, I, I really encourage you to, yeah, think about all the lessons that we've we've talked about today, but especially um, this last one that Marie's mm-hmm. offering us. Yeah. Definitely. And for people who feel called to connect with you further, to be in Papua with you further, how can they um, find you?
1: Please, anyone who's listening, who's, you know, feeling like, oh, I resonate or I don't resonate or I hate what you said (laughs) or I love what (laughs) you said, you know, even no matter, you know, I love connecting and Papua is really the, it's really the team. Um, my email is Marie, my first name, M A R I E L P A S P E, at gmail.com. I also have a website and also um, Instagram at M 3 M L L O I D. I'm also on Facebook as well, but not as active on Facebook. Please, yes, I I love talking and I love sharing and also. Also, continuing discussions about what does what what you yield to, what what causes you to yield, or what stops you, asks you to yield. So, contact me.
0: Thank you again so much, Marie.
1: Thank you so much, Paul.
0: And that was today's episode. Thank you so much to Marie for joining the conversation. All the info mentioned for her website and Instagram will be included in the show notes. Marie is also offering a weekly class called Structure and Integration, Tuesday mornings, nine to 10 a.m. Eastern time. This offering is an open-ended weekly exploration of healing and integrating our fascial meridians. Marie's focus is to find efficiency and release in our movements in order to move through life with deeper freedom and less pain. If you liked what you heard and feel called to connect further, subscribe, leave a five-star review for the podcast, and follow us on Instagram at kapwa.yoga. We host an IG Live after show with our guests the following Monday after the episode's release. And it's an opportunity for you to get involved with the conversation with us. This podcast is a part of Kapwa Yoga, a movement and mindfulness practice that integrates my background in dance, yoga, and organizational psychology. You can check out our website, www.kapwa.yoga to find out more about our services. A special thank you to Uga for the theme song and episode production. You can follow him on Instagram at OOGAH.XYZ. Thank you for listening. Maraming salamat and catch you on the next conversation.